This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph. The only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, will it be Fantastic Fox for Tangerines? And these show up well in Wales. Hello, and welcome to this week's Twa Teams One Street. I'm Tom Duffy, and the usual team are podding along with me today. That means Alan, very clever boy, Temple. Hello. George Cran. Well, I don't get a nickname. <laughs> well, you do, were you a clever boy this last week? Uh, no. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Hello. And Graham, exceptionally clever because he's bigger than the rest of us. <laughs> Finnan. Exceptionally clever and very old. You never added that in as well. <laughs> well yeah. I think I'm slightly older, so we're not, we're not going there. <laughs> right, let's get down to business and plod it. Alan Temple said on this very podcast last week, Sean, no, not Sean. <laughs> in, in a break with Twa Teams tradition, Alan Temple predicted who the new United management team would be. And a day later, it happened. Mad. We're a bit disappointed, if, to be honest, Alan, but we'll have to be fair and say well done. I like um, how you accidentally brought up the ghost of Sean Maloney there. <laughs> it was collective responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> collective after, responsibility, there'll be resignations. After that other um, successful prediction during, <laughs> during the summer. No, it's um, it's nice to have a bit of clarity and security, I think, um, Although we're obviously neutral here, I think probably speak on behalf of Dundee United fans for that one. It's um, uh, it's dragged on a little bit. It's almost three weeks um, from the point that Jack Ross was sacked that it took to appoint the guy who was uh, three feet away from Jack Ross in the dugout. So it's uh, you know they've gone through their processes, had their interviews, and decided that the man that was the right man for the job was in the building all along and. Now it's a case of getting to the real stuff. Uh, it's this has been a um, a kind of intermission, if you like, where fans have just wanted some clarity, have wanted to know what's next, and now Liam Fox has got the big job and he needs to win football matches. October it is really hard to overemphasise just how big October is. Three home games to kick off the month, winnable games against St Mirren, Ross County. Cup quarterfinal. It is no exaggeration to say this month, these games ahead, uh, looking beyond that, will decide whether or not this season has anything to look forward to for Dundee United fans or whether it's going to be a turgid battle against relegation. This could be Dundee United climbing away from the bottom and casting tentative glances towards the top six as well as going to Hamden, or it can be out the cup to live uh, out the cup to Kilmarnock and uh, still battling at the bottom of the league. It's going to be a massive couple of weeks ahead and in at the deep end in terms of that new managerial team of, of Liam Fox and, uh, and Stevie Crawford. Fascinating to, to see how they get on. On the basis that I'm taking a holiday in late October, I don't think it's that important personally or I wouldn't have taken a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> but um, to be semi-serious for a moment, Bear, as Alan says, you need to drag it out and they've done this with their managers, but you know, you give them some credit. They seem to drag these things out in a very calm fashion. They, they don't seem to sort of flap, flap too much about it. 
certainly not above the water, so to no, speak. No, I, I think they went, they went about everything in the, in the correct manner. I think they had to do that, Tom, you know, to, to certainly make it look as though they were genuinely, genuinely looking across the board for, for a new boss. But if you come to us two weeks ago and asked us who we thought was going to be manager, I'm sure Alan would have said Liam Fox. I think we were, to be honest, yes. on the show. Yeah, right, right, you know. I think we're probably... never listened. I think we're, <laughs> we're probably... Well, and I think from... There can be no doubt from a financial point of view it is the best appointment. But it could also be the best appointment from a managerial point of view because Liam Fox, as we've said in the past, knows the players. Um, he's, he's worked with them for the last almost, you know, two years and, you know, with Tam Coates as well. Um, the players know him. So hopefully, hopefully United can get their season back on track. And as Alan says, a massive month coming up with the, the fixtures ahead. It will be really interesting, Tam, to see. I mean, we all hope that one of our own teams, that they do manage to get themselves on the right track. But if things don't go to plan, I'll be interested to see how the supporters react normally supporters would start pointing the finger straight away at a new manager. He would be given a bit of time. I don't think Liam Fox will be afforded a lot of time, but he would be given a bit of time to produce results. But I think the fans won't turn on Liam Fox. I think they may start, if things don't go to plan, start looking a bit higher up the pecking order, and that could be yeah. very interesting for United, you know. So we'll see if it goes. We wish Liam Fox all the best, and Stevie Crawford for that matter, but they'll have to hit the ground running. I think it's a really good point, because although... It would be fair to say Liam Fox's appointment hasn't been welcomed with open arms and fanfare amongst the, uh, you know, some of the, the Dundee United fans. I wouldn't say it's been anger. I wouldn't say it's been fury. or It's been more a sort of shrug of the shoulder and apathy and, as Bear alludes to, thinking, well, fine, but if this goes wrong, we're looking upstairs. You know, it's uh, which I think is a, is a really interesting um, aspect to this. So... Yeah, win, lose or draw, I think it's a strange situation where if Liam Fox does really well, Liam Fox will get all the credit. If Liam Fox does badly, I think uh, the criticism will go a little bit higher than Liam Fox, which um, isn't always the case with managerial situations. Yeah, to bring you in here, George, because you've got to earn your money somewhere. <laughs> you get paid for this. Is it, <laughs> is it one of these situations where... The fault was in the summer and they got the wrong man, as it turned out. Although nobody, in fairness to United and to Jack Ross, nobody thought that at the time. Everybody applauded, understandably. Mm -hmm. But if you get it wrong in the summer and you've got to make a quick change, there is a very limited pool. Because, I mean, my thinking is, what for a club the size of United, what was out there at that time, it was always going to be a gamble. So you might as well gamble on someone you know. Exactly, yeah. I, th I think the the candidates that had been interviewed uh, were all a bigger gamble than, than Liam Fox, yeah, I, I would no, say. No disrespect to, no. to any of them, I should. Well thought of coaches, but uh -huh. maybe not with the experience of being at a club like Dundee United. <laughs> Liam Fox obviously hasn't got that experience as a manager either, but he's been in the building, he knows what's going on behind the scenes. Nothing will be a surprise to him and... As we've, we've spoken about, it seems to have a good rapport with the players. And I think that's the biggest thing for United right now, because obviously that rapport with Jack Ross, whatever happened, it didn't seem to be there. Um, and I think from a 
in terms of getting results right now, which United certainly need to do, being bottom of the table, I think that's really important. Um, and as, as Bear said, there's not a bottomless pool of managers out there. There's not a, not a bottomless pool of money either. It's a wee bit strange, because this is usually the time. It's maybe been a bit early. We'll have to remember, we're just heading into October this weekend, but usually this is the time of year a few... A few managers that are out of a job in the summer often say it'll be October before I've got a chance at a mm. decent job because that's when there'll be clubs will start changing their manager. But usually there is a wee pool still there, but there, there hasn't been certainly of experienced managers this year. No, um, I'm sure. I'm sure if you look hard enough, you would find a few that are out of work looking for. Look, it would be interesting. Yeah, I've got a few texts later. I go back. I'm sure I go back, I'm a manager. I go back to Jack Ross and, and George made a good point there. I go back to Jack Ross and obviously, you know, Jack Ross lost his job. And, and uh, the, when you think back to the games, if United had lost to Celtic, if United had lost to Hearts, if United had went out of Europe, would Jack Ross have lost his job in normal circumstances? No, I don't think he would have. Mm. I think it was the manner yeah. of the defeats yeah. that really cost him. And the manner of defeats suggested that something wasn't right between Jack Ross and the players, big time. And recent history suggests that, I mean, while there's no guarantee that any sort of appointment will be successful, recent history should be serving a lesson to Dundee United supporters that um, a supposed show of ambition or a big name is no guarantee of success. Jack Ross was a big name, loads of fanfare, was a disaster. Tam Courts came in amid... Uh, at best apathy at worst anger and was a real success and got the club into Europe now that's a, a a cautionary tale that's only a year old so that should be fresh in United fans minds and I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be saying do you know what let's see if this is another time courts let's see if mm. this works out because um, while the football wasn't always flowing Tam Courts was a successful Dundee United manager and I would have been really interested to see what his second season looked like because he was really keen to to build upon the, the structure and maybe bring a little bit more attacking impetus to the party. So we've kind of gone full circle and that's the, the, the one thing that I can absolutely understand the tangential, uh, you know, the specific criticisms of Liam Fox in terms of a lack of experience. That's totally fair and uh, he'll need to prove that that's not a, a defining factor. But I'm not quite as on board with fans saying, oh, it's a, it's a lack of ambition. It's, yeah, that's a that's a, a very ethereal, difficult thing to pinpoint. What well, What is ambition? The ambition is to win football matches and get out of this situation. Jack Ross was an ambitious appointment in theory in the sense that he cost a fair bit of money and he was a big name. It didn't work. So what? while this may not tick some people's box in terms of what constitutes ambition, um, I think Liam Fox deserves every chance to be a, a decent Dundee United manager. And I would also point out, I think he's done really well in terms of getting Stevie Crawford in the building because... That's 122 games as a manager Stevie Crawford's got. That's good experience. And that's before you even consider coaching at um, Hearts, MK Dons, you know, doing the part-time stuff with FC Edinburgh. He is vastly experienced, one of the best man-managers, one of the best people you will find. Uh, just a really good character, cares 
probably too much about <laughs> players' development and uh, you know getting the best and improving players and people. He is a, a 24-7 character to the point that he burned himself out at Dunfermline when he was in the managerial role. So um, Liam Fox could not have a better guy beside him in terms of um, bringing experience as well as coaching uh, ability to the table. So I think while... Uh, you know, Stevie Crawford's coming from East Fife, and again, it might not be what some people constitute as ambitious. I think that will prove to be a really good appointment because until you've managed Dunfermline and you know covered them like I did for a while, you, you don't realise there's a hell of a lot of pressure at that football club mm. as well. You know, that yeah. is that is a not a focus. Isn't yeah, it? that is not a small football club, and they have that. Um, the, the pressure they've got at Dunfermline is the sort of pressure you get at a you know, big club that's consistently underperformed. Fans are very easily irritated. There's big expectations. He is bringing a lot of experience in that regard to the table as well, which I think will be valuable. So I'm I'm willing to say, you know, let's see what Liam Fox mm -hmm. has got and seeing how it plays out. But um, I can, I would say with a slightly even more assurance that Crawford's a, a, a very, very smart hire as an assistant. But you look at what happened to Dunfermline after he left. Well, that is, a, totally that is a point, yeah. Disaster after he left. Yes, I mean, that's a... I mean, so easy in hindsight, isn't it? I no, don't it know whether not. it was right for Stevie to, to leave uh, or, or not. I can guarantee you wouldn't have got Dunfermline relegated. Yeah, 100%. That's what I mean, yeah. like, however, I, I guess it's always weighing that up in terms of if you make a disastrous managerial appointment, does that mean... <laughs> the one before the, it was better, Exactly. Yeah. Does that mean the, the guy before it should have stayed or does it mean you appointed the wrong manager afterwards? That's, yeah. the, that's, the, big, that's the big debate. But categorically, Dunfermline would have been challenging for a place in the promotion playoffs if Stevie Crawford I had, think so too. had yeah. stayed the following season because um, it wasn't a good championship last season. Um, whereas Stevie Crawford left and, and they got relegated and the rest is history in that regard. I mean, thinking about along those lines was it a, especially if by an experienced manager was it a mistake by Jack Ross not to insist on his own number two because well, I, I'm just thinking along the lines of he was he was learning about a new squad he was learning about a new backroom team is that more than you want to take on I think it's probably a lesson for Jack Ross even if he is an experienced manager but maybe a lesson he'll take he'll take forward in his managerial career wherever he wherever he goes um, I think it would have been a good buffer between him and the squad if there were initial problems it's always good to have a sort of good cop bad cop relationship with, with mm -hmm. players you know and, and someone that's there to sort of put their arms around and say this is look this is what we're trying to do this is what the message we're trying to get across without the manager going and saying no this is this is what we're doing um, and then, interestingly Robbie Nielsen when he was at United, he had his two assistants were recommended to him by United. He hadn't worked with either uh, Gordon Forrest and Lee McCullough mm -hmm. before, uh, and Robbie was Robbie was happy. But just as interestingly, once he got to know them, he said to Hearts when he went to Hearts, yeah. "I want those two with me." Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and that's what you need. You've got to have someone alongside you you could you could trust in the in the dugout in the trenches with you. Um, just going back to Stevie Crawford, obviously an ex Dundee United player as well. So he brings yeah, that. He brings that. He mm. knows. He knows what's expected. What the club expects. I think the good thing a was Dundee United style of player. Yes, traditionally. Yeah, a absolutely. Good footballer. Absolutely. Um, I think the good thing is on on Saturday, there's not going to be a great fanfare because 
you know, Liam Fox was all, already there, so there yeah. won't be a big hoo-ha when he comes out of the dugout. They'll be allowed to just get on with the game, I think, Tom, which is a good thing. They can focus on the game. And I think that uh, it's not taken up... I know Liam Fox has been presented to the media this week, Alan, mm-hmm. and he's had to do a lot of work in that respect, but it's not going to take up a lot of his time thinking about this is my first game in charge because he's been there and he's already... Mm. He's already had relative success in the cup against Livingston. He did, they did well at Ibrox. Now they'll have to start putting points on the board and that'll be his, you know, his entire focus over the next 40 hours or so before that, that game on Saturday. It's really interesting, Bear, bringing up the, the unveiling there because it was notable how low-key yeah. it was. <laughs> you know, we just went to the uh, High Performance Centre at St Andrews University the same way that we do for every single weekly press conference. <laughs> there was no different. The broadcast guys I did. I think Liam Fox would been quite chuffed with that. Ex- 100%. Broadcast did their stuff in their room. We spoke to Liam Fox in the canteen over a coffee like the daily newspapers always do. There was no fanfare. There was no, ta-da, here's the new manager. Mm. And I think that's what Liam Fox would have wanted. I think that's what the club wanted. Um, and you wanted a cup of coffee and and (laughs) I was was delighted to get a panini and a coffee so everybody was really content with the way things played out and I think but was know, he wearing shorts like the, the last manager? He, uh, he was, but to be fair, oh, he had an excuse. He was just off the training ground. Right, okay, so that's an excuse. Okay. Slightly different. I thought he maybe changed that aspect. Maybe that was the bad luck yeah, from the start. He'd taken off his whistle at least. <laughs> it's hardy character wearing shorts this uh, week. But it's, <laughs> it's, and I think the, the message in that was basically, listen, this is the middle of the season. We're, we're, in, we're at work. You know, the, It's not about grand plans for the future. It's not about big flashy unveilings. Um, it's about you know we're happening to talk to you and preview the, the St Johnston game because we're in the middle of a season so it was a real contrast from the Fairmont Hotel in the summer mm. and um, Tony Asgar top table presenting his marquee manager and describing him as another level from any manager Dundee United have had under his watch it's the it was it was look at the results he was right <laughs> so it's oh, that's cruel Tom. <laughs> so it's it, there was uh, I, I would say um, um i'm making that sound as if you know tony Askar stepped away and decided you know to take himself out the firing line in regard of presenting a new manager he is as people have maybe seen on, on twitter away given a a talk at a, a convention a football convention um uh, in Europe, so we would be hopeful of getting a sit down um, with him at some point in the near future because um, I think it's only fair uh, when a big decisions have been made, a manager goes, a new manager is appointed. The person who makes those decisions should really be speaking uh, about that and answering a, a few other pretty key questions. So we would hope to to get a chat with Tony uh, at some point in the, in the near future. But nevertheless, as I say, the 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 tacit undertone of the whole thing was this is low key. This is just a carrying on of the good work that's been done over the last few weeks, and we look ahead to St Johnston. Bear, you I mean you played at a decent level. How much is that? A, how much is it a disturbance to players that that if you you lose a manager, then a caretaker comes in, and then a, a and then a, in the space of a month or even less, you're you've got three different main voices in the dressing room. You know what, Tom? I don't think it's a distraction. I think players just just go on with the job at hand. Unless you've got issues where either injuries or you can't get in the team for one reason or another, you maybe not been playing good enough. That can sometimes open a door, a new manager coming in and, and giving you a, a fresh chance to go. But players just do what they've got to do, and that, that's that's play football. There are a few. I think we've seen that the way Dundee United have gone this season. There are a few big voices in that Dundee United changing room. 
Now, one way or another, uh, Liam Fox has to deal with that. But the good thing is he has been there. He has seen what has gone on. I'm sure he's relayed what has gone on to Stevie Crawford. And they'll deal with it in their own way. They'll deal with it in a different way to Jack Ross. That's obvious because it's... there's Whatever way you look at it, Dundee United have underperformed this season. There can be no doubt about that. Something has gone you know, wrong in that changing room whereby the players, we've talked about this in the past, players are played to play football, but if they're not happy and there's, there is a clutch of them that are unhappy, that Proper shows problem. on the park and it's mm. shown in results this season. Now that can't be allowed to continue, that can't be allowed to fester, but Liam Fox has got to go in there and make sure that they know that he is the boss. That's that's ultimately his job. I, I was going to say, did, did, to did, so, is it a case that the players have to know that he's the boss, but equally... You should listen. I, yeah. A wise man once said to me, listen to everybody, son. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean to say you've got to no. sort of take on board what they say. You might think they're talking nonsense, but it makes sense to listen. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think, that, I think that'll happen because they'll have worked with him under Tam Corsa, so that they know him. So there should be that mutual respect for what the message he's trying to get across. But at the end of the day, he is the boss and he's going to have to make some telling decisions going forward. But... Maybe not as many as, as you know, people might imagine. I don't think Dungeon United haven't become well, they have become a bad team overnight, but <laughs> they have still got a squad there that took them mm-hmm. to fourth place last season. It's not changed that dramatically to suggest that they can't. Obviously they have changed goalkeepers, which has been a big issue, I would suspect. You know, but fair play to Ericsson, uh, uh, who's, who's done well recently. Hopefully they can keep that going, they can get a bit tighter, and that's how you win football matches if, if you shore things up at the back. But um yeah, I mean, it's going to be really interesting over the next month or so to see how things pan out. It's worth saying in terms of uh, managing a, a dressing room, again, that's what uh, Stevie Crawford's experience is going to be so vital in because there was a few there was a few big big characters, in inverted commas, in that uh, Dunfermline dressing room. I look at, for example, um, although he had somewhat got on the straight and narrow from uh, Wraith Ro- uh, during his time at Wraith Rovers, what he did with Kevin Nisbet, you know, a, a young player who needed developed, coached, and in terms of his personality, needed pointed in the right direction, developed again as a as a human, you know, really really helped him along. You've got you know irrepressible kind of characters like Dom Thomas who needed pointed in the right direction as well. You know, he's used to handling players that. Well, I'm not in any way suggesting they're bad guys. It just needs managed in certain ways. Every person is different. Every personality is different. And Stevie's very switched on in terms of treating every single individual um, as a as a person in their own right, knowing what makes them tick, good, bad, or indifferent, getting the best out of them. For, I mean, he's worked with Tony Watt at Hearts as well. You know, he's he's you know he, he knows a lot of these guys in this dressing room. He's worked with characters in previous dressing rooms. I think he'll be really important in, in that regard. Lost in all the arrival of the new manager. Looking forward to Saturday. St. Johnson, a good game for the Malin, but also... Nicky, Cl- I was going to say Sandy Clark. <laughs> Nicky Clark back. There's a bit of hope for United if Sandy Clark comes from <laughs> I don't know if it was early in the season. I still fancy him. We scored. How soul destroying could that be? A Sandy Clark hat trick. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a good game for United to have in the sense that, with all the respect in the world to St Johnston, Dundee United would hope to win a home match against St Johnston. That's. Um, uh, just the the case. However, at the same time, it also 
creates an immediate sense of pressure because it is that winnable game and it is the start of a defining month. You sound like me. <laughs> so there is, an, there is an element of um, if they don't win, then it's a very, very bad match to not win because you then look at the fixture list and you go, oh, well, uh, can't beat St. Johnson at home. Are you fancying them to beat Hibs at home or Aberdeen at home? So there's an element of pressure in the sense that the expectations are high, but it's a match that when you look at the two 11s that the sides will field at Tannadice, Dundee United should have the capability to win it. But this season, Dundee United haven't earned the right to be looking at a game and thinking we should win that game. So I'm certainly not going to be that um, bullish about it. Dundee United just need to go out and improve and try and win the game. Um, maybe somewhere down the line they'll earn the right to be considered big favourites for certain matches. Mm-hmm. But right now, nah. It's it's just a it's just a decent game on paper. And um, Nicky Clark returning is an interesting one. A player that I think will in the fullness of time, maybe be appreciated a little bit more than he always was at Tannadice. You know, I played a lot of games for Dundee United, high up, you know, relatively high up in their kind of all-time top goal scorers, albeit certainly padded with um, championship numbers. Um, he, uh, you know, I think underappreciated, scored 10 goals last season in a team that didn't score many goals. And didn't um, always start, did he? Yeah, so, you know, could play in the 10 role, played even deeper on occasion, um, can also play up front, so... Um, yeah, I, I was a good player for Dundee United. I was slightly surprised when he went, although I understand the the footballing realities for him and the financial realities for Dundee United and the footballing realities for St Johnston that made all those things mm. come together and make it a good deal for everyone involved. However, um, in terms of just purely somebody that I'd like in my squad or that I would rely upon to score goals and um, as you were trying to get up the table, I would have probably kept him at Dundee United. But I would have. Early, early stages suggest that United's loss is going to be St Johnston's gain because um, the fans down the road seem pretty happy with how he started. Yeah. Eh? I think they're looking a bit stronger this season as well, St Johnston. Absolutely. Than they were last season. They were probably lucky they had Dundee last season. Mm-hmm. Didn't finish bottom because they were pretty poor. But I, th- I think they look a lot, a lot more sturdy this season as an outfit. I, th- I think they seem to have ridden out the storm last season and. I think United maybe need to be a bit careful, but this uh, just looking at the home form for United, it's just horrendous. Yeah. Obviously, they had the nine nil, which colours everything, but they haven't scored a George goal yet. Got his Dundee hat on. <laughs> the old no, but that's something. They're, they're, yeah, it'd be a great, great game to kick off with for for Liam Fox if he can get that first win on the board at home, get some goals, get some get the fans going. Basically. Yeah, I, I don't want to sound too sort of glib or you know uh, saccharine about this but they do owe the Dundee United yeah, supporters exactly. do you know is uh, this start to the season has not only been poor in terms of results but United fans have had to sit through some pretty embarrassing results and embarrassing performances they, they've had to watch as their team passively lose nine goals and didn't really seem to give too much of a toss and they've watched their team get battered by St Mirren on mm. their own patch you know it's this needs to be a new Dundee United as they've not played at home for a while this needs to be a new Dundee United that comes out shows passion endeavour and gives the home fans something to shout about because since the game against Alkmaar um, at home the the United fans have, have had absolutely nothing to shout about whatsoever I'm sure they will on Saturday George mm-hmm. you're back from Nut Wales how was it? <laughs> Uh, personally, it was a bit of a nightmare. 
just trying to get out of Scotland was trouble. Happened. Oh, the motorway was shut, and then there was a really bad accident uh, at Hamilton, which meant it took me more than four hours to get out of Scotland. So, did you miss a kickoff? No, I made it. I, 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 man, I made it to my hotel about half six. You know that part of the world well, though, so I'm sure you, <laughs> you had diversions already in your head. <laughs> uh, so there, well, there, wasn't a, there wasn't a diversion. It was at a, a point where you couldn't divert, annoyingly. But. You still had time to take videos from the stadium bar, so I you clearly it. got I there early enough. You made it early enough to make it to the bar, so that was uh, illustrative. My, well, my, my aim was to be... <laughs> Maybe in a bar for lunch, something like <laughs> I that. I bet it was. Uh, yeah. Uh, Not drinking, of course. Kevin had to sub your coffee. Just yeah. <laughs> he's, he's thankful the motorway was closed then. But I, Not I, drinking, I must admit, course. as I flipped from uh, Italy, England to TNS Dundee, which was a strange strange combination of games to watch I did notice I thought well that's my kind of stadium there's not many seats but it's got a bar <laughs> yeah. it's quite a good setup. I quite liked it what they've done they've got a cafe and a bar set up as part of the stadium there's a soft play as well so whole families could go kids could run about in the soft play and parents go watch football not so bad and Sorry, to, that'll never catch you on. Sorry, sorry to stray into the football, <laughs> but um, Bear, we're, we're just saying here when we're coming into the room to record this. It was another uh, encouraging result, but another typical Dundee performance. And the, there was a lot of good, and then they went missing for a wee while. Yeah, and it's a worrying aspect of their play, and I'm sure that uh, Gary Boyer's on the case with that. You've seen that this season in games, Tom. They have 20 minute spells where the opposition just can't get a kick of the ball because they pass it for fun. But when they fall out of the game... Oh, they done, fall out. And done, <laughs> yeah, and that can't be allowed to happen. When you, There will be spells in games. It doesn't matter who you're playing. What standard opposition? The opposition are going to have a spell in the game where they have got the ball. But that's when you've got to do a bit more work off the ball. That's when you need boys putting in tackles and, and breaking up their play. And for Dundee... They don't seem quite able to do that at this point in time. And what it does is it offers teams hope in games when maybe I've done they've started really well the first 20 minutes, but it's still nil-nil, as we saw mm. against Inverness. That sort of thing happened to a point where Inverness, Dundee had the, the, the majority play Inverness go for half-time 2-1 up. You know, you're going to give yourself mountains to climb. So I don't I don't exactly know what the reason is. I don't know if it's maybe just guys are working hard enough when, when, when they're not in the game. Um, it was good to see a few guys getting a run certainly against TNS um, but I still think that, that they've got to do more I think guys like Ben Williamson has to do more I think guys like Max Anderson have to do more although Max hasn't really been getting mm. a game so we can't really point the finger at him for you know performances in the past at this point in time but maybe that's running through the team a wee bit you know they've got to work a wee bit more when, when, when they're not on top in a game to break up the opposition, you know, stop stop them getting a foothold, a real foothold in the game, which is what's happening, you know, and, and giving the opposition hope. But overall, Tom, it was a good it was a good result against a team who have done well on their home ground, and uh, as you've pointed out, you know, in your pieces, George, in and, and Europe, and I think they ran out deserved winners. Ah, oh, definitely. But it, I mean, I must admit, as I say, I was flipping over, and I, I was what I was watching. Dundee play a team that looked like they came from a, a league that's still trying to establish itself was a long way behind leagues like the Championship in mm -hmm. Scotland. Flipped over, watched five minutes at Italy-England, flipped back and I thought, 
did they send on Cardiff City or Swansea or something like that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> while I was while I wasn't watching because suddenly they looked up for for a wee period in the game they looked a match and yeah. mm. I, I I'm not being gloom and doom, yeah. but I think we're identifying where Dundee's... Pro- the, yeah. the look at times, to me, comfortably, the best team in the championship. At other times, you wonder where they've gone. Yeah, well, that's exactly what happened in the first half because it looked like it was just going to be one-way traffic the whole game at the start because I think that corner after corner after but, corner for Dundee and it just looked like one of the, these games... Because they did here and, yeah. and, and, and in yeah, yeah, And then, as you say, they just disappeared... Uh, TNS looked like a pretty good outfit in the, as the half wore on. Um, actually, speaking to Killian Sheridan after the game, he, he said he, f- he thought they would give most championship teams a game. He felt they were, they were decent. Experienced players to always talk up the opposition. <laughs> I, also think, George, but, I also think it's worth pointing out that, I mean, although TNS are, you know, in general a small club, they're probably working with a bigger budget oh, than most money. clubs in the, in the oh, challenge. Yeah. They've got money, aye. They're, they're the only full-time team down there and they're obviously an ambitious club. And they're, they're putting money in, but Dundee also showed their quality after after the break. I think it shouldn't be ignored that they were a totally different team in the second half. I think after falling out of the game, I think Gary Bore probably got in amongst them at halftime, and and they came out and took the game away from TNS. As soon as they went two 0 that was it. The game was done. Um, Alan's going to ask something here. No, I was just going to ask. It's probably quite a difficult question, quite intangible. But did you get the sense it was answer. a was it a big game for TNS? Do you reckon, or was yeah. it? Did they have bigger fish to fry? No, I, I think I think they were taken really seriously. I think in that case, it's a really good result. Yeah, oh. uh, they I didn't make any changes, particularly for, for the team. They had all their all their, all their big yeah. players out. I was waiting for Gary Boyer, who SCN four Yaki Yaki Da Wales. I don't let Alba incidentally. I'm just like, I'm, I'm against home foreign language <laughs> stations. It's just a personal thing. It's not. It's it's not particularly against Wales. But um, I was waiting for Gary Boyer anyway, and, and they never brought him on. But they got the Welsh, uh, the TNS manager, who thankfully was English, and so he answered the questions in English, and he was quite disappointed. Cause I think in a very diplomatic way, he basically said. This makes our season interesting. This competition because mm. they are they are sweeping everybody aside. Yeah, yeah they won again Wales. at the weekend, yeah. three 0 away. So Aye, they, they, during they love, the week, sorry, they love that competition. But I mean, funnily enough, what I was going to say to you, Alan, was uh, going back to someone who mentioned in the first part. If I had one criticism of Nicky Clark without playing badly during his career at United, he had spells and games where you were like, oh, you started really well and then he finished really well and he still scored his important goals and made his contribution, but he did have periods in games where he didn't feature as much as you hoped for. Dundee do that collectively. How do you sort that out as a manager? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Nice easy question. That's a hard question, son. (laughs) No worries, I'll just go finish my A licence and then... I'll come back and let you know. No, I, I don't have the grand answer to that one, and I certainly don't have. I've not watched Dundee to the same um, extent as as George and, and Bear have. So, but it certainly is a, an issue. But what I would say is, the flip side of that is, when you are doing good things in a game, whether those are for twenty minutes periods or for halves or for however long a period is, 
that makes life a lot easier when you're trying to get your message across to the players and show them, listen, here are the good things we're doing. Now it's about translating that into consistency. It's about taking that to a 90-minute yeah, period. have got something there to work Yeah, with. exactly. See if your message isn't getting across at all and the team are putting in bad overall performances. That makes it more difficult because you don't have any evidence to show them. Dundee can look at video analysis sessions and say, here are the things we're doing well and here are the things we're not doing well and here are the differences. Now will endeavour to fix that. So I think while you can look at the critical aspect of that and shrug your shoulders and say, why can't Dundee play that way for 90 minutes? The positive of that is, if you're Gary Boyer, you can absolutely have evidence and say, look how good we can be for 20 mm. minutes, for yeah. 45 minutes, and here is how we uh, take that on for the rest of the game. So as with everything, he's just in the door. It's all building. It's all progress. It's all crafting aside and they're not going to be consistent 90 minute performances from day one week one even the first couple of months it will take you know six months it will take a season before you know the team is playing 90 minutes the way that Gary Boyer mm -hmm. would like it's a it's a young team as well I think that's a big part of it yeah a lot of changes on Friday night too, yeah and now well I mean the squad as a whole is quite a young squad mm -hmm. I think the average age is about 24 something like that um but, as you said, changes came in. Paul McGowan came in, showed his quality 300 games now. Uh, Killian Sheridan came back, scored a... Well, did he score a goal? I don't know. No, I was going to actually uh, say, the only, he wasn't the, the so only person in that stadium who couldn't have been delighted with Killian uh, Sheridan's performance is the big centre-half who put the ball in his own net <laughs> after Sheridan should have scored and missed the ball. Yeah. And he was, the, the lad was taken by surprise. I know. And to be fair to Sheridan, they, they said after the game, I don't really want to be embarrassed to claim that, but I think... Give, saw, give saw him as soon as the ball went and he, he went, no, no. It wasn't it me. He needs a goal. We'll give him it. But uh, at the time for a boy that's been out, yeah. out for that length of time... It's almost a year. It was October 30th, I think, or something, around Halloween, anyway, that he got injured. And he's it's something a bit different. I, he's not going to be prolific. I don't think he ever really has in his career. But Gary Boyer particularly said he just gives us something completely different to what we've got. He's a big striker. He's a good runner. And he didn't look like he'd lost much of that with the injuries coming back. You, you wonder whether they lose a bit of pace or whatever. But he looked like he was getting around the pitch pretty well. He's an experienced player. He's been around the world playing football. Adam Langton's came in, kept a clean sheet. Didn't have that much to do. Something to, to give us a collective credit, something yeah. we touched on last week. Yeah. You could see him bossing the defence. Yeah, and I think it's it, his return, although he's been in the squad, obviously, and still part of the dressing room. You, you wonder how kind of influential he is if he's not in the team, if you know what I mean. He's, he doesn't, maybe, he, I know that Killian Sheridan said when you're not in the team, you can, he, he felt that he couldn't be critical or anything. But, what's going on last season because he's not part of it he kind of felt out yeah, out of the, out the, the kind of yeah exactly and it, that might be the same for Adam I, I don't know he doesn't seem like uh, he's, he's quite a kind of confident character but I, I think those three coming back McGowan's obviously been here all season but those two coming back are two experienced players also adds to the number of players that Gary Boyer can pick I mean he's got he, I asked him after that game because obviously a few players came in and did well Max Anderson maybe didn't have the best of games but he finished it off with a goal and I think that'll help his confidence Lyle Cameron got another goal he said there's a lot of players that have, have given him a problem for Saturday at Hamilton 
which is a good thing for a manager. I just stick with Sheridan for a minute, Bear. The two Zacks, good players, got goals in them. It's the big thing that Sheridan has got that they don't quite have at this stage is he's got that sort of experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I yeah, noticed good. that a defender didn't jump. No. That Sheridan didn't let him know he was there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he must have slept well on, on Friday. Yeah, Did they come so. back straight back up on the bus? I think. They were on the bus, yeah. 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 Uh, speaking to the manager this week, he said the latest, one of the boys didn't get back till 6am. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, that, that could have been quite a tough one after, yeah. after being out for so Which, long. Gary Boyer, yeah. having had a career in England, would think, aye, that's yeah. what happens. <laughs> yeah. That's what yeah. happens yeah. after night games, yeah. boys. I always remember speaking to Paul Storick when he was down, down at uh, Plymouth and <laughs> they had midweek games and there were some of the tips were horrific. So, yeah, I suppose Gary Boyer would the, be. The other one I remember that being was Alan Kernigan. He used to talk about, we used to go, oh, Inverness or Ross County. Yeah. And he's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't just, understand that. Just yeah. up the road. I know, I know. Um, yeah, we're going back to Sheridan. Good to see he got a game. I think... Gary Boyer's made no secret he has tried desperately, mm. desperately to bring in a, a bigger type striker. Um, and it, just for one reason or another, it hasn't happened. But he's got one there. He's got one there. It's whether they can keep Killian Sheridan fit and whether he can do a job for them. Yeah. Now, he came on, well, he, he got his 90 minutes on. Did he play for the full 90 minutes? No, it's no, 70 just, or yeah, something. He just, like yeah, that, yeah. yeah he, he got a good run anyway on uh, against TNS. Um, but he offers Gary Boyer something completely different to what he mm. has, and and in the in the long long run, if he can't get someone in, he may just be able to do a job for Dundee Town because sometimes in games things just don't go for you. you. You put your team out, it's not working. You don't want to bring on somebody that's identical to the person that's coming off. You mm. want to maybe try yeah. something different, and, and he he offers that. And as you said, George, the the level he has played at, he can do. There's absolutely no doubt he can do a job for Dundee in mm -hmm. the championship. So yeah. Good to see him getting back. Hopefully his fitness stays up. Um, I think the big thing for, for Gary Boyer, is what's the team going to be on Saturday? Uh, at and it's really, really interesting. Does, does he make the big call and keep Adam Legsden's in the goal when Harry Sharp hasn't really done anything anything wrong in games other than being a bit of a rookie goalkeeper yeah. and maybe just looking at that aspect of it and saying the defence feel more comfortable uh, with legs dins and but it's a big call to make on on the kid because I, I've, I've looked at him games he's made some good saves just maybe kicking has been a bit of suspect at times most keepers I've got are, are a bit suspect with kicking but you know you I think it's more, yeah I think it's more yeah I think it's it's just more the experience factor and is this an opportunity for Gary Boyle we've just been waiting to do this get him in get him in now and take, let, break, yeah. let's change this now and let's do that. Um, but there are others as well. And what would you what would you do, Bear? Because you were a you were a talented young keeper once, and yeah. a, a veteran keeper for a very long time. Yeah. Was, <laughs> there was, was no middle ground. <laughs> but going back, I mean, no when you come from Dundee. The, I mean, you've got to remember when I, when I started playing, um, certainly junior football, eighteen or nineteen, Bolocky United. Those are in the days where you never had substitute goalkeepers. Yeah. There wasn't a second goal. If, uh, if mm. you were injured. It was just somebody else in the team went in the goal. That was that yeah. was a fact of life, and that went on for very, very often. If you were injured and out the next game, that's when they found the second goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I never had that. Never really had that that, that issue. Um, I've got to say, and thankfully, you know, because but it must have been. I, mean, I like, think he's avoiding the actual question. <laughs> yeah. It was like it's like, but here, I, I was one of those things. In a way, I was never dropped, but 
did I play well all the time? No, I didn't. I'd so there must have been periods. There would have been periods through that spell where mm. the manager probably went. But basically, what happened was you either stuck with your goalkeeper or you got a new goalkeeper and said, ah. You're bound, you know. So, <laughs> fortunately, all the managers are Enjoy the Sunday league, son. Yeah, the managers are worked for stuck by me. But yeah, I think it's a. It's an opportunity for Boyer to see the back. He's got other things across the park. And we spoke about this earlier, Dundee falling out of games. And George, that's a good mm. point. The young players in the team. And we touched on Wallison, touched on Anderson, Josh Mulligan. He's yeah. guilty of that as well, falling out, falling out of the game. And and uh, if you get a, a cluster of them doing exactly the same thing, maybe that's why Dundee aren't functioning quite properly and we're allowing teams to get, get more of a foothold in games. Experienced players don't do that. Experienced players like Paul McGowan, you see, even when things are going badly, Paul McGowan will get you free kicks. And even just, if he's playing badly, yeah, he's, he's going yeah, on others yeah, and he's yeah, still it, doing things. He does things in the game that breaks up the opposition. The opposition don't get a chance to sort of get a fluency in the game. So it means at least when they're on top, they're, they're not. it's not one of these ones where they're bombing your defence time yeah, after yeah. time. And that's what we're seeing at Dens. You know, the defence comes under, under real pressure because maybe... Zach Rudden isn't getting a hold of the ball enough and it's escaping off him. The midfield, Ben Williamson isn't working hard enough. Josh Mulligan is is doing... We know what Josh Mulligan can do with the ball. He likes running with the ball. He likes running at teams. But there are times when you've you just got to get your foot on the ball and play a couple of nice intricate passes. Make 10 passes in the game. It kills a lot of position. And Dundee can do that. We've seen that. Yeah. The last 20 minutes at TNS, they hardly gave TNS a kick of the ball. You know, the way they yeah. were knocking... Because mm. they, they can play. And the good thing was... Again, on plastic. The next yeah. two games are on plastic. They can't play on plastic. I think it quite suits them, the, the team yeah, they've got. So play your strengths. Um, but uh, yeah, big question for me. I'm going to be really interested to see what the lineup is at Hamilton on Saturday. Yeah, I think there'll be changes. Just to chip in on that Harry Sharp debate, I think if he was to drop out the team, I don't think it would do him any harm at all because he would yeah. be dropping out the team, as Bear says, having not been dropped as such, having not made a high-profile error, having never yeah. really come under the microscope to any great extent. I remember years ago when when I was starting out, you know, having a, a chat with Jim Jeffries off the, the record, coaching legend in Scottish football, and he used to talk about how at, at Hearts he would like to... He would bring in young players for maybe three or four games and then he would bring them out of the team. It wouldn't necessarily be because they were playing badly or because they needed dropped, but he would like to just let them have that um, next few weeks to be able to reflect on what they learned, to be able to say, well, here's what you did well, here's what you did badly, and actually be able to coach them along without being constantly in that spotlight mm. of first-team football. And I wonder if you know, that's what maybe springs to mind a little bit with Harry Sharp. I think now could be actually be a great time that you've got lessons that can come in and play. Meanwhile, you can take Harry aside and say, what do you think you did well? What do you think you did badly? You know, learn I learn a few lessons I, I and then... I, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think the big worry is that he's a goalkeeper. Of so course, it, of course. slightly yeah. different. Yeah. The opportunities may not arise. Yeah, it could be a long you know, time. It could be a long time before he gets himself back but in. But. Is it still better to have him unhappy at being dropped than being relieved at being dropped? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you, you know, yeah. as a kid, you know... You, you, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, the, the last thing you need is as a, as a youngster is, you know you're desperately looking to get, to get out of the team because things have turned, the fans have turned on you, you've made a few glaring mm. errors, which he has not done, I've got yep. to say. Um, you know, so ah, I mean, he, I mean, it, it, he did come in at the end of last year, so I'm not sure how many games he's actually played, but it must not be, many. Aye. You know, I mean, it's a, a dozen or so maybe. Yeah, yeah so, that. but yeah, I mean, he's, it's, all, it's all positives for him at this I point. Think so. yeah, is, it, is it a case to this? One of the areas where we don't often talk about managers earning their money, where if he's going, if he, Gary Boyer decides to take him out, 
he's just distressed at him. He's done really well. Mm-hmm. Make I, sure the boy knows that. I wonder if Leiden does come in and cement his place, whether or not, if you get to see January and, and Harry's still not playing, whether you say, let's get him a League One club and let him go and be number one at, at that level, yeah. for example. Well, they've yeah, got, even, even, got another goal. Yeah, I was going to say, they've got, they, you know, they've got a number yeah. two there that can that can sit on the bench if they need someone to sit on the bench. Yeah. Meanwhile, get Harry out. Because mm. as Bear rightly says, it is that balance between not overplaying and learning your lessons and, and being studious, but also getting games. You have to play. You yeah, have, exactly. You, you have to play a decent level. I mean, you saw even like Scott Bain frozen out up at Aberdeen. He goes to Arlo, I think it was, becomes yeah. a, a goalkeeper at a very young age, plays a few seasons at Arlo, does really well, comes back to Dundee and he's ready to go. He's ready to claim yeah. that number one spot. He's got that experience now and, you know, he just, just took it on from there. Unfortunately, now he's, he's one with the bench at Parkhead, but he's... I'm sure he's doing okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, I'm away to leave the room for a while. There was another meeting about the stadium this week. Wait, did you not go? No. Public consultation? No, I drove past an overgrown field uh, next to the cinema on the Kingsway, though. No, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> I, I want it to be built. That's all, that's all I can say. I, I do. I yeah. want it to be built. I want it to be built there. Well, this that's the next step that's been made. Um, as part of the the process, you have to have a public consultation. You're, I lied, I'm going to say. What you mean is the next step's been remade. Remade, okay, yeah. There's another one to come uh, October 24th, I think. That'll be available to attend virtually. So if fans didn't make it on Monday, because obviously it was on Monday and people work. Um, but it was interesting. There was not a huge amount has changed from that previous meeting in 2017. Obviously, big issues with uh, road access, which the architects and designers have, have given the best option is how they put it. I would say it didn't fill me with a huge amount of confidence it's going to pass the plan of permission. But they said they've basically done what we can um, with where it is um, I'd really hope it happens as well um, that wasn't the question the question is <laughs> is it going to happen I, hope I, I it think happens. it will everybody hope it happens I think it will I think it will but I, I do expect that they'll as with anything of this size they'll have issues with the plan and permission and they'll have to rethink some things um, I think that's probably guaranteed um, depends how big those issues are what about what about the cost of it you know, wouldn't say. Well, and we've got. You, you just, look at the the cost of materials, the cost of exactly. labour, what the the current situation is in terms of interest rates for borrowing as this economy mm. goes into meltdown. Explain to me how they can afford <laughs> to build a stadium, well, please. We, we asked that question, and the uh, finance director Alistair McGill was there as well, and he insisted there'd be no problem getting finance for. The project because people are excited about it. Um, that sounds that sounds reassuringly and, fake. Um, and John Elms wouldn't say what the the costs were because he, he didn't want to. Basically, um, <laughs> <laughs> did he? Did he I'd be really good. Good if you folded his arms and said, "Don't want to." Haven't spoken to John a lot. He's, he could he could put a figure on it today. And it'd be different. And it'd be different tomorrow. Yeah. So I do yeah. and, uh, and, to and defend the man yeah. for once. I, I, I totally understand. To, and to be fair, he, he did say that the design isn't isn't a hundred percent at the moment. 
what's going to happen is they're going to wait until they get the the prevention and then they decide that's the plan and they push the button at that time. So as you say, costs may have gone up by then, costs may have gone down. They've got different options of what you, whether you go concrete or steel, he was talking about that a lot and obviously there's different prices for that. Um, he certainly believes it's going to happen. And this, we've we've discussed this quite a lot in the office over the years about what uh, the Texan Tim Keys and John Elms are at Dundee for. Obviously, they would have liked to make money off the football. I think they've realised they maybe can't make as much money as they thought in the first place. This is where they make money. It's building this project. So I don't see them stopping. It would be. An, I mean, it, you look at the plans and it, it's exciting for the city. You know, yeah. I, for the city of Dundee, I absolutely hope that it, it happens. I just with the financial hat on and thinking about yeah. our own personal costs when you then like extrapolate that out to a project like this the numbers just seem so so daunting they really, they really do but yeah, yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I mean as, as a fan I mean, I've spent my life at Dens Park some good some bad but it's, <laughs> it's, it's your home it's your home it's your home and that was a bit of positive <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I won't say which part <laughs> no <clears throat> but the time has come to move, and if they can get this this going, I mean, what an opportunity to move this club, mm -hmm. you know, put put something in place for for the next fifty years, you know, a, a new custom built stadium that that sort of goes with the twenty first century, not the one we're playing in at the yeah. moment. Um, I've seen the plans; it's always the plans are always, always good, and everything's filled in, and there's no big gappy areas. But I remember, I would go back to the plans for the V and A when it was first first muted and it was built. And you in saw, the middle of the river. Yeah, yeah, and but all around it, Tom, um, was yeah. was buildings, and you know everything was filled. Well, if you look down there now, there's yeah. only one building that has been actually in in the way of it. Built, as well. Yeah, so you can't see it. All the all the all the various sites are still empty at this point. Yeah. So maybe that spare yeah. standing in the next council yeah, elections yeah. or something. <laughs> maybe that, that Dundee ultimately. It may just be the stadium that comes first, you know, and what and, yeah, you know, I think that's the houses the plan, yeah. and the and yeah. the. And the crematoria and things like that we'll, we'll have to have to wait till they move on access is going to be a massive problem what, yeah. I mean you tell me what happens next now George after the next public consultation where do we go up? Uh, well, in the presentation they said that the plan permission application would go in that's likely not to be until the new year and then that'll take however, however long it takes for the the authorities to look at and then make their decision so it could be another year before we even find out. John Nelms admitted that his 2024 <laughs> plan was ambitious and he still wants to do it by then, but he said he has a room full of people telling them it'll think about 2025 instead. Um, he said he wants to keep pushing. Interesting thing about talking about dens, he was also talking about hopefully recycling as much as they can from stadium it tends to use in the new stadium I don't know how possible that is or how much that might cost they also want to take the boardroom because speaking to people I think that it's quite a unique boardroom in terms of Scottish football so they want to take that and obviously the history and all that sort of stuff they also want to take the front doors from Dens Park 
again, same sort of idea, the heritage and history and things like that. I can that. just imagine the older players go, oh, be us. We get to go. Um, and uh, I was speaking speak to... The goalposts, so, the corner yeah. flags. Well, I was, I was <laughs> speaking to Bob Hind, who's one of the directors, and he wants to take the centre spot and put it in on the pitch so that there's the kind of spirit of Dens Park around it, which I thought was a nice idea whether it comes to pass I don't know. I actually think that's quite a good idea. Yeah, I'm getting sentimental in all these. Yeah. Peripheral things. Well, yeah, the big thing is, are they getting there's no point in having doors no. there if there's no stairs. Yeah. I mean, one, one thing <laughs> doors I, in a boardroom. <laughs> I mean, centre spot. One <laughs> thing I've seen, George, I mean, it has been touched on by a few people. They seem to have snatched total land grabs this week and uh, certain things, but they seem to have snatched a wee bit of camper down park for for pitches. As I've done, do you got permission to do that? I think that was part of the was original of, thing, as I, far I, as I'm aware. No, being be in my old age, being a bit of a local historian, there, there is a misconception that I was born within sight of Camperdown mm -hmm. Park and I grew up, that's where you bear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I grew up being told that Camperdown Park was bequeathed to the city eventually by the family of the, the late Admiral Duncan, mm -hmm. who was uh, given, given it because of the Battle of Camperdown way back when and all that, but actually it wasn't. There is no, there is no, um, there's nothing to stop the council selling any right. part of, other than people yeah. going mm -hmm. tonto about it. Uh, and, the, and the part they're uh, proposing to hand over has always been a horse's field. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Very I walked up there just last week and there's no horses anymore, Ian. Is there, I mean, is there, I mean, they probably looked at this and said there's not, but is there a way of buses coming off at, at Meyer Kirk? And going up the back and a long camper down well, and a camper down and using that. The the plan the plan is for all the buses to come round the back. So, so basically on the slip road as it is at the moment and going. Yeah, up if you're going in a camper down, you would right. go that and round the so back that, of the yeah. ice rink and into the back. And that's just a nightmare. Yeah. That is just so. And then busy. cars are coming. My understanding is there will there is no direct access yeah. to major premises, and for. <laughs> As long as I've been around, nothing's been allowed to be built on the Kingsway that had a road that you turned yeah, right off, yeah. and you were yeah. right there. It had to be a roundabout onto a feeder road. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, Tom, well, I remember I mean, going going back to sort of that, that access point during COVID. Have you still wanted to go to McDonald's? They were restricting the amount of people mm. that were getting in at that time, and that <laughs> thing became absolutely clogged. And it stretches all the way back down. I've been in or at the Kingsway after a nice you know, hockey game, and every, that everything's car blocked. So it's, it's horrendous. Ah, it's, I mean, it's a shame because it's a great place. If they if they could come up, but again, I mean, to come up, what, I mean, say another flyover or something like yeah. that would cost but, oh, but ridiculous millions yeah, and millions. Yeah, yeah. It's, but it's there's amazing 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 though, You could take that out of the equation if you came off at Meyer Kirk, went down the back at Asda came along Camperdown, there's an access gate at Camperdown. Yeah. As whether you went, as you go into Camperdown, how do you get down to that, that bottom corner? It is a field at the moment, but could you change that into a bus park? Yeah. Me? Take a possibly. I don't know. I don't know. Well, basically what the... What the you are ruining one of my walks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the designer said that they'd come up with what they think is the best option to, to, yeah. to get it done. Basically, cars will come in off the Kingsway hit a wee roundabout and then sneak around the stadium before they end up in the car park. So they said that'll extend that kind of run in to yeah. a kilometre long. 
and then you'd have bosses coming in, in the back. Yeah. Well, I have to, again, to break my silence again. What a liar. <laughs> but um, at least they're thinking about it. Because yeah. last yeah. time, last time they, they, they seemed to put a blindfold on and they weren't happy. I know I wrote one of the stories and it was like, oh, disgrace, disgrace. Mm. But it was a legitimate story that you would not be able to just turn into the car, yeah. car park directly from the Kingsway. It's been a, a massive issue, I think, for them to, to figure out. John Elm said they'd had to put in studies for eight different um, plans, basically. And some of them he was quite annoyed with because it meant going through the park, which he said was never, ever an option yeah. to consider. Um, which maybe that explains... Again, that seems, a, that seems a bit excessive. Yeah. So they've, they've put in the work whether it's enough to, to see it past the plan and that that's something I, I don't know but well I guess we'll find out um but they're plowing ahead I think the, there's another issue as well I mean as was, as things stand at, at dance I mean and Tardis, after games fans come out and not everyone's got transport you know yeah. there's people walking everywhere the big problem is you get people trying to cross over the bloody Kingsway, you know, as they come out. There's come a wee tunnel, but it's a wee there tunnel, is, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, That's um, prone to flooding. Yeah. I mean, you get, you, when you go to Ibrox, you're never out of Ibrox, away fans, an hour after the game, you're stuck. You, you've got mm, to wait, yeah. you've just got to accept that. And maybe that's some of the fans going to games at Dens now, I'm not saying wait for an hour, because, but you know what I'm saying? Everybody nowadays is back in their car five minutes after the game's finished, sometimes five minutes before the game's finished, depending on how the yeah. game's going. But everybody's back in their houses, you know, very, very, very quick. That might be the case that, you know what, you're just going to have to wait a wee bit longer, but will we'll punters be wanting to come up with that sort of thing, you know? It's, yeah, I think 15,000 people, if it's full, it feels like a lot in, in that, where it is. Um, there's a lot of people across the Kingsway that, in the kind of housing development in there that are concerned that yeah. fans will park there. They, they don't want... Do, they will do. They will do. There's the clubs say they won't, but they will. They won't. Yeah. And... Oh, I would. I mean, coming from that end of the tune, I'd be looking for somewhere on Lift Road and walk the mm-hmm. last mile. Um, the, the, Thompson Park could be a car <laughs> park there. I, I think they were busier than when yeah. you played yeah. there. Uh-huh. They, they want a lot of fans to be parking the cars in the industrial bits. You know, you know when you go. Yeah, that's up, another up, thing. Up the hill Sat- from camp. Saturday, that could be an option. because yeah. the, the, it's not businesses. Mm. Yeah, and businesses, I'm sure, could make some money from yeah. parking, but that's something separate. But no, I th- I th- that would be a concern for myself as well as but how for, many people. For Dundee to move forward, it would be fantastic. I would, I would. Yeah. And again, I'm, I'm going to sort of end on a controversial note here. I think the way to get everyone on board is for Dundee United to join them up there. Costa Stucci, when I put that in the headline yeah, the last time we mentioned that. So. Well, we're very precious about it. The, the, what I always say about it, the big the big problem you've got with that, and I've always been uh, for ground sharing, and I wasn't for merger, but the same, the same thing applies, that you can't deal with what the wider population want. You have to deal with your customers, the ones that actually go every week. If they don't want it, it's a non-starter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Also, I mean, from a Dundee United perspective, 
is there much in it for Dundee United? How much of the cost do they need to run? And also, uh, this is all going through dark blue holdings and they want the profits from mm. all these subsidiary events that the stadium's going to hold. Are dark blue profits going to want to share that with Dundee United? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. It seems to be their business plan alone. So I'm not sure there'd been appetite for Dundee United to plow money into it. And I'm not sure there'd been appetite for Dark Blue Holdings to share uh, their profits. No, Although they, they're entirely they, imagined right now <laughs> with Dundee United. Yeah. They said United could rent it if they wanted. So. <laughs> That's nice there you go. Yeah. Which, maybe I, I remember... Um, proves your when, point. I, I remember think. when a stadium share was mooted a long time ago, mainly at the instigation of the banks, when times were hard and I remember Jim McLean, speaking to Jim McLean about it and he was uh, on a business level he was against it in the sense that he his point was it was going it would have been Tannadice United would have the, the maintenance costs of Tannadice everything that goes with owning a stadium your tenant only pays rent they would have a fixed amount and some obviously sometimes it would it would go up and he he saw it as a he saw it as more beneficial to the renter than the owner mm -hmm. uh, club. So I mean, I think if it was ever going to happen, it'd have to be a joint venture. And maybe the way to make those joint ventures is then you involve a local authority that yeah. takes over the sort of control yeah. of the stadium, and, mm -hmm. and you have two two tenants, as it were. But as I, as I look at the notes here, George, before we finish on Dundee, moving on, they've. The lawman is now head of recruitment. Yeah. Um, Not Dennis, by the way. <laughs> Gary Ogilvie, a, a very a fine young footballer who then had a fantastic career in the police. Mm -hmm. Although, being a fellow Charlie boy, we called him a traitor. <laughs> right, <okay. laughs> no, no, we didn't at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, known he's, he's been the, the choice for their head of recruitment for, for quite a while, but... Uh, finishing his career with the police and there was a cross crossover or paperwork to sort out basically and they couldn't announce it but yeah so I'd, i basically asked john elmson i managed to speak to him on on monday what the situation was and he says he's quite happy to talk about him and, and he's been in place for uh since his second month he says um things are going uh he's doing a good job although dundee have only signed one player that, this summer fans might argue that point at the moment, but it's it's a new system. It's they've completely revamped their kind of. And the boy that signed since since claimed that he was made to do it, he didn't really <laughs> say anything <laughs> that was on the. Um, and obviously, Gary Ogilvie's been coaching with Dundee and, uh, as a youth coach for quite a long time now, so he, he knows what's happening with the club. And he's obviously he was a senior footballer himself for a, for a short time, but been in the, the junior ranks for a while, hasn't he? Bear? Yeah, yeah, a really good lad, Gary, you know, and uh, yeah, I'm sure, he'll, I'm sure he'll do a good job. And he's got a lot of experience, at very, not just in football, obviously, yeah. working through yeah. the police and everything. He's worked, he's, worked, he's worked his way up in the police, you know, and a, a bit of management going on in there as well. But uh, a good lad, a Dundee supporter as well, which uh, which always goes in his favour, I think, with the fans. Uh, yeah, and hopefully, a long. Hopefully we can get a few a few players in, George. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's one of these things where it, it takes a bit longer longer than you realise to, to kind of bed in I, w I would think um, and Dundee had a squad together as we've talked about in this podcast a few times, the, the squad is largely there anyway, I think it was just adding, I think Gary Bohr might, might have wanted to bring in more players than he, than he has done as, as he's kind of alluded to but 
I think they're in decent shape. Yeah. Anyway. And with, with Gary Olive, I mean, right man for the job is always the most important thing. But like you say, the fans all like an appointment like that. He's a Dundee boy, Dundee fan, started his career at Dundee. He's also an intelligent boy. Yep, yeah, he, he is. And uh, If that doesn't get my parking tickets clear, <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully he's allowed to go on with the job. I mean, I'm always recruitment officers. I thought your manager was your recruitment officer. He just went out and got I'd players. Be. But things have changed now, George. I, I think it's kind of it takes a bit of lightening the load a yeah, wee bit. I yeah, think, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's the modern world of football, isn't it? And yeah. So, yeah, hopefully it'll work. Good stuff. Very briefly after this, Scotland! Right. One of you's got to make this happen. Hickey for Trent Alexander Arnold with money going to Brentford. As a <laughs> Liverpool fan, that's what I want to see. I'm not sure I can do a second consecutive week talking up Aaron Hickey. I think <laughs> I did a whole. How good? I'm, I'm telling you. I was, I, I was going to say, I mean, that almost made me sound like I knew what I was talking about, talking about <laughs> Hickey like that on last week's show. And then, I think you're him, stretching it. And then him performing the way he did. What a player. He is going to be a superstar. And um, and people could see it from when he was mm-hmm. when he was sixteen years old. It's amazing that Celtic didn't see it, frankly, well, because uh, the moment he walked in the door at Hearts, Craig Levine went, "This boy's going to the moon," and mm-hmm. uh, that's exactly where he's going. Outstanding. It's interesting. That I was listening to Craig Levine on the radio a few weeks back, and he was talking about Hickey, and it was Josh Doig was at Hearts, was he? Yes. They actually got let Josh Doig leave because they had Hickey. Josh Doig is obviously Sean needs an excellent young player. He's gone to Serie A. But Craig Levine was saying we we can't really we don't have room we don't have room so mm. let him go and he can go somewhere else because we've got Aaron Hickey. Always always want to see the negative in any situation. Bear. He had games at heart. He went to Bologna, and well done to Brentford. But there's there's guys making millions at clubs in England that are supposed to talent spot. How I mean he's to me he looks already. Mm-hmm a player for teams challenging for the yeah. top six in England. He obviously has the, the ability, there's no doubt about that, I was spotted at a young age. He looks as though he, he has the mentality to come in and... He looks as though he's got school in the morning. I mean, how <laughs> many, many caps has he got, Alan? A handful. He looks as though he's, he's playing with 50 yeah. caps is, under his belt. It's just know. a handful, but that's that's just him. We spoke yeah. last week about the fact some, that, some he's, his, like that yeah. his first, uh, sorry, I think his second ever start was in a Scottish Cup final against uh-huh. Celtic. It's, yeah. just, it's just the way the boy just is. The way, it's only good for Scotland. Yeah. That's, that's all I can say. And, uh, they're absolutely loaded with full-backs. talented fullbacks. If only we could be, <laughs> have the same problem at the top end of the pitch, we'd be laughing, I think. Tom. There's, there's so many great points, though, uh, from yeah. those these recent games. Somebody, somebody said Jack, Jack, Jack Henry. 16 players missing from yeah. I know, what yeah, the original was, squad yeah, would have yeah. been. By the time they played Ukraine yeah. on Tuesday. Someone we know so well from this parish, obviously, Jack Henry, yeah. absolutely outstanding Ryan Portis gets a lot of stick what a game excellent superb to and go in in your first cap and play like that and I mean whisper it but Scotland look like they've got depth and they yeah. look like yeah. they've got um, a core yeah. of players yeah. who come in and understand the demands and understand the shape and are able well, to slot in there the biggest plot is for that has got to go to the manager of course he announces a squad of 24 players and you go what do you need 24 players for well three high intensity games you're yeah. not going to just need yeah. 16 the way things have panned out the vast majority of them have been asked to do a job and the reason these guys have slotted in so well is because when they've come to previous squads 
they've not sat about and just, you know, just mm-hmm. watched as the other things have gone on. They've been on board with everything the manager is saying, and it's a good manager and coach that gets everyone on board and gets everyone in a position whereby if you're called, if you're plucked from nowhere and put into that team, you will do a job. And you can only take your hat off to Steve Clark for doing that and producing the score. Like Alan says, the depth here now is quite fantastic. Like I said, I would like to see a few, a bit more quality up top. Mm. But, but what they've got there now is just, you know, a, a, and where he's got them, you know, it's only it's, it's only f- fun times ahead for Scotland fans, you, you would think. You know, something that I thought the could have been highlighted more on Tuesday was, and a stroke of genius, that with the exception of the Hearts fullback, who, whose name I A forget, but he came, <laughs> on and, came on and did his job, he put the rookies on yeah. at the start. Yeah. And I thought, actually, I was more comfortable in the last 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And that's not that the, the, every player that went on the pitch did a great job. But just from the Scotland looked stronger at the end of the game. Certainly, I felt physically, I thought in the last 10 minutes, I, I was still panicking every time the ball crossed the halfway line into the Scotland half. But I thought. You've run your race here, Ukraine. Mm. You've not got you've not got the energy to cope with the Armstrongs yeah, and the yeah. Frasers and whoever coming well, on. Unfortunately, the Scottish psyche is oh, but Ukraine aren't very good. They've sort of lost it a wee bit. Right, decent. Team. Yeah, they are a good team. They are a good team, and they play at a high level. You know, they've been above us in the the coefficient, if you would like, in international football. But Scotland are moving. You know, they're, they're moving in the right direction. And uh, yeah, I've got. I just I can only again, you know, say. It's, it's, Steve Clark, like, what a job he mm. has done. You know, what a job he... Uh, and my worry for me is that, you know, he suddenly goes, well, you know, I've done all I can do at this point in time. And there's a there's a club in England, a, a premiership club comes and says, how do you fancy coming to be an air manager? Because he's done... Well, did you well. see him making a point? Somebody said, that's that, a great... Yeah. Uh, uh, it's great to be in that and it's great to be in pot too. And he said, yeah, that'll be good for the next manager. Yeah. Just no, pointing out I've no signed a contract. Yeah. The the did he say that? Right? Nah, I never yeah, saw he was it. laughing. Yeah, he was laughing. The, yeah. the SFA now will have to come up with yeah. some money and rightly too so. Right. The one thing I will say is we've not actually qualified for anything yet. Done. 100%. Just what I was about to <laughs> so say. Let's, let, yeah. let's not qualify for League A. Yes. We've qualified for six humpings <laughs> in the next Nations League. Scotland, Scotland are probably comparable with Ukraine, but they should be better than the personnel that Ireland and Armenia have. So yeah. Scotland have done probably what they should have done in this group, although you could argue the toss on whether we should be finishing above Ukraine. But didn't qualify for the World Cup fundamentally were very, very, very poor in the game that mattered against Ukraine. So, you know, it's great they've got a playoff for Euro 2024 and hopefully get there automatically, won't need that playoff. But, I mean, let's not pretend that Steve Clark's hit every target. This was a great international break, but just as he shouldn't have been sacked in the summer, he's not necessarily the best manager in the world (laughs) and needs a a £2 million a year contract after this international. Well, it so does. (laughs) Yeah, I I think what we've done is we've given ourselves the best possible opportunity to to qualify for the next one. Uh, I agree with totally uh, messed up in the the summer, extremely poor, but guaranteed playoff in pot two, which when was the last time we were in pot two? I can't remember, but that gives you such such a big such a big chance. I was listening to the BBC and Richard Gordon, who was on Covering the Scotland game mm. during the week, and, he, and somebody, no bought, some, somebody pointed pointed out to him that you know because we're in pot two, we could actually end up with a group with Hungary, us, oh yeah, 
Armenia, Malta, and the Faroe Islands. Uh-huh. It was something like that. You I don't know? want hungry. If, if, if the draw goes for us, I've got to say, but you know, well, that's you, could end, you could end yeah. equally end up with Spain, Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, well, I don't even know if they're in the same pot or whether yeah. it's possible, but we'll somehow end up with Israel. We're always going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Israel, Israel will find <laughs> a way. Well, Israel got promoted in the, in the Nations yeah. League to League A, so yeah. I mean, there's that chance as well. Um, but there's also, I'd, I saw on Twitter that it was mentioned that the South American clubs may well get invited to the next Nations League. Yeah. So we <laughs> might get Brazil or Argentina. <laughs> or Venezuela. That'll be Scotland. Scotland's luck. Yeah, so it could be interesting, but I think we can only be positive. I th- I wonder whether all the the call offs, which I was really worried about before the Ukraine game, but I wonder whether a few of them helped in conjunction with what Bear's saying about Steve Clark's coaching and bringing in the kind of uh, maybe not first choice players, but having everybody ready. But we also had fresh legs coming in for that Ukraine game because I think Ukraine played their first choice team against us, then their second choice team against Armenia, and then their first choice team against us again. I wonder whether that helped us at the end, that we just had boys that hadn't played yet, so they were good to go. I think international football now, the manager has to be prepared to use a bit of squad rotation, but because there, there are no friendlies anymore, because of the exactly. nation, which is good. Yeah. It's as good. It means that every, every game is, is important, but it means that you, you can't just sort of go into a game's half-hearted. You've got to go in and give it your best shot, but... You, you can't just play the same 11 players. We've seen that, you know, over three games. They've been dead on their feet. But we'll just have to wait. We haven't got any fixtures now. Scotland have no games, as it stands. <laughs> so we'll wait and <laughs> see who we play next. Israel, no doubt. No, lose. <laughs> That's a good point. I've always yeah. been happy with a free weekend as a Dundee fan. Anyway, that's all we've got time for, boys. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice. Or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs>